Welcome to the next podcast from Millinery Info. This episode is with Awan Golding, a busy and talented milliner. She creates her own collection for her self-titled brand, is the head millinery designer at the prestigious British heritage brand Lock & Co, and is the founder of Hort Dogs Calendar that this year has partnered with Wild at Heart Foundation. We hope you enjoy hearing about Awan's work in this episode. This episode was made possible thank you to our wonderful podcast supporters. These include Hatters Millinery Supplies, the Millinery Association of Australia, Cack and Cherry Millinery, Hat Academy, The Essential Hat, Hat Atelier, Louise McDonald Milliner, That Millinery, House of Adorn, and we'd love to welcome Lifted Millinery as our latest sponsor. You can find a link to each of their businesses in our show notes, either on your podcast app or through our website. We'd love to invite you to become a sponsor of this series. It's a great way you can show your support for anyone who is interested and able. Just head to www.patreon.com forward slash millinery info, or one word. Thank you so much for joining me today, Awan, to chat hats. Um, something I'd like to start with is a bit of back to the beginning. Um, how did you first become involved in millinery? Oh, well, thank you very much for having me. Nice to see your face. <laughs> you too. <laughs> and nice to chat. Um, yeah, so um, I've always been kind of an avid hat wearer. Um, so I think that's where most milliners kind of come to, you know, the interest of millinery in general is just through wearing them. Um, so yeah, as a teenager, I was very much into kind of wearing men's hats, um, flat caps and trilbies and things, you know, kind of thinking that I was like super cool by putting a hat on. <laughs> um, and yeah, that kind of just translated into um, crafting them um, on a like very basic level. Um, you know, I went to my stepbrother's uh, wedding in England about, God, 18, 15 years ago or something now. And that was the first British wedding I'd ever been to. So I kind of was like, oh, my, I need a hat for this. Um, but I couldn't find anything that I liked or could afford, actually, in the shops. Um, you know, I was like kind of early 20s at this point or something. Um, God, it must have been over 15 years ago then. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, so I just made something myself um, and wore it to the wedding and got quite a few compliments on it. And that, you know, kind of planted a little seed, I guess, in my mind of like, wow, I really enjoyed this process. You know, I get to wear it at the end, but I'm also making something and being quite creative in the, you know, the process of it. Um, and yeah, just started kind of exploring a little bit more about what millinery was, um, you know, because I was living in Hong Kong at that point and I grew up in Hong Kong. Um, where there isn't really a hat scene, actually. Um, it's not really part of the etiquette there or anything. So, yeah, kind of coming over to England was my route to um, exploring millinery in kind of a more kind of technical capacity, I guess, through like learning and stuff. Um, and that was, yeah, that was the first foray into kind of um, hat making. And were you sewing or crafting otherwise? Like, was that a, a skill you were already kind of playing with before you started playing with hats? Um, I guess like in a, in a smaller kind of way. Yeah. Like I've never been, my mum was always a sewer, right? So she had like a, a Singer sewing machine and for like, you know, she would make me clothes when I was a kid. Um, so I was always around that. And my father's an artist. Um, so he was obviously always creating things. Um, I, you know kind of myself I was never like that much of a sewer um but I would do little you know small projects with my mum 
Um, but I've always been into fashion and kind of you know, exploring how to kind of dress myself in a way to represent, I guess, my personality. And, you know, I was quite into being like a little bit different and unique. Um, and I guess that was kind of reflected in my um, job. You know, I've had like a kind of potted kind of very different professional history. So one of the last jobs I had in Hong Kong before I left to go do millinery was working for um, a magazine called Juice, which was like a street culture magazine. Um, and I was the fashion and features editor. So I was doing like a lot of styling at that point and um, writing about fashion and, you know, just the kind of scene and culture surrounding it. Um, so that was like another kind of, you know, I don't know, I guess, uh, marker in my, my kind of crafting history was, you know, kind of styling bits together. So it also piqued my interest. So you moved to London specifically to um, explore millinery. Is that right? Yes, 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 yes. So that was like the big plunge. Um, so I was 29 at that point and kind of a little bit disillusioned with my my kind of professional life in Hong Kong, like, you know, I'd worked this amazing magazine and then that folded, unfortunately. And I was like, I don't really know what I want to be doing. You know, I've never been one of these people who has had a very firm idea of what they wanted to be. Like, you know, when I was a kid, I was like, oh, I want to be a vet. Um, and then <laughs> as I get older, you know, I was like, oh God, I don't know what I want to be. You know, so this, this millinery thing kind of came out of the crafting and the wearing of hats. And I was like, actually, I really enjoy this process. Um, and yeah. yeah, I looked into the courses in London and London being the hat capital, I guess, of the world, I would say, um, yes. it really was this opportunity to kind of change up my life completely, you know, and really follow like a passion. Um, so yeah, it was great. Really, really, really fun. That's cool. And what did, once you got to London, did you start working with someone or were you doing it? Did you take up a course? How did you take that step once you got there? Um, so I always had my eyes set on the HNC at um, Kensington Chelsea College, which is kind of the, the one year, I guess, like equivalent to TAFE um, um, in Melbourne, well, in Australia. Um, and um, yeah, so that was always the end goal. Um, but to get to that point, I had to do a whole bunch of little short courses. So I did, you know, enrolled in like London Fashion Col uh, College of Fashion. Um, and I also started like work doing some evening classes with Edwina Ibbotson at that point um, and then I went on to do like an internship with her as well and like she was really fundamental I would say in, in my the foundation of my millinery because you know she's an amazing traditional milliner um, so when you work with her you know it's like right down to you know the, the it's proper foundational millinery um, which I think was you know just amazing experience. Definitely. And um, from once you um, completed your course, did you um, know you wanted to be creating your own brand? Was that always where you were, you were heading for, do you think? Um, yeah, I think so. Because um, I wanted to make a career out of it. You know, I, I kind of had, that was my express intention um, when I left Hong Kong. I wanted a craft that I could hone and really develop um, as a profession and, and job. Um, obviously, it's really really hard <laughs> to make money from hats um anywhere in the world so you know I kind of was doing some internships with other people and things um but actually my first job kind of real job um in the hat industry after the HNC was um with a commercial accessories design company 
So um, I was lucky enough actually to get poached by them straight out of college. Um, so they were doing things for like Topshop and River Island, so high street brands here in the UK. Um, so kind of, you know, I hadn't really even had that in mind, but I think that that was also another really great foundational kind of experience to what I am now and my own brand. You know, so I had two years of working with factories in China and um, high street brands here and kind of connecting the two things and creating collections for these high street brands. Um, so it really kind of gave me an understanding of like pricing and just that whole kind of um, process of manufacturing from factory to high street. Yeah. Did that give you a chance to draw on the experience you'd had when you were in Hong Kong and with the, the um, magazine you'd been with to kind of bring that all to a strange way? Yeah, I would say so. Um, you know, despite kind of having this very, you know, all over the place kind of professional history in a weird way, I've had this, you know, all of these experiences have ended up helping me in my kind of current career. So for sure, I think having an understanding of what the finished outfit in a magazine is going to look like definitely aided, you know, the ideas that went into that singular hat. And when did you decide, this is the moment I'm going to go for it, this is going to be my own label, or I want to launch my own label? What was, what led up to that? And what was the um, first thing you did? So, I mean, I've been making, you know, bits and pieces, kind of commissions here and there for family and friends, like the whole time. Um, but, you know, I kind of, I came out of the HNC having done like a very small kind of capsule collection, I guess, for the graduate um, module. So it was like a five piece collection. And I'd always kind of thought, I really want to be, I want to make another collection, an expanded um, collection to kind of hone my skills that I'd learned. But it, I just couldn't, I don't know, I guess like when you're flung out of college, Maybe you lose a little bit of confidence, you know, it's like, oh my God, I'm in the big wide world. What am I going to do now? Um, so I think it took me about two and a half years doing this other job to really kind of gain that confidence to go, actually, I can do this. So, um, yeah, I think that was the first, so spring, summer 14 was my first proper like collection for my, um, my brand where I actually put everything together in like a very thematic way. And, um, yeah, so that was, and I was lucky enough that that collection was picked up by Liberty in London, um, which, you know, I cannot express how, like, lucky that is. <laughs> Amazing. Did you um, pitch to them? Or, or like, no. was that a, like, you go through the buying process or it just evolved? They contacted me, which is insane. Wow. Yeah, so that was, my first collection was my uh, gelato like headpieces. Um, oh, it's so a, I, kind of, I want to call them pom-pom scoops. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So they're ostrich pom-poms um, that yeah. are kind of the ice cream. So it was all like pastels and like I had little sprinkles, which were Coke feathers. And yeah, it was like a really fun, um, yeah, I, I was very proud of it actually. Um, but yeah, they, they saw me on Instagram, I think. I think, is that, is that what we were using back in 2014? I can't remember. Oh, it feels like a lifetime ago, but yes, I think, I think, I think we were using Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that really kind of cemented, I guess, me in my, in my brand. I was like, okay, I can do this. This is a stamp That's a of really, approval. Yeah, a really strong confidence boost to come from your first, first collection. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
yeah, it was. And I, if I hadn't had that, I don't know how I would have progressed. I think it, you know, you kind of do need positive, you know, reinforcement of your kind of choices, right? Um, yes. Well, at least I do. Like, I'm very, <laughs> you know, I, I need people to tell me that I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> well, Liberty, you know, approaching you would, 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 offer, would offer that quite well. <laughs> yes, yeah, it was, it was a very, it was a good pat on the back. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Um, and from, have you stocked in um, other, I, would we describe this as a department store, I guess is the terminology I'm familiar with. Have you stocked in other stores with your collection since? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I would call it kind of a, a broader category as a stockist. Um, so, yeah. you know, boutiques and department stores. Um, so, I mean, actually, so my first collection that was stocked in a shop wasn't Liberty. It was actually my graduate collection out of college. Um, I sent my mum into the only hat shop in Hong Kong um, and she was called Hat Woman. Um, so I sent her in with my like little kind of card with all the images printed out. And my mum was my little PR rep there. Oh, for mum. <laughs> yeah, good. That, that's what you need. <laughs> yeah, that's probably the best first PR rep you can have. <laughs> exactly. A ballsy, you know, don't take no for an answer mum. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so she she kind of laid the ground you know, the groundwork for mm. me having my collection there. Um, so yeah, the lady, the hat woman, um, bought my whole collection, my five pieces, and stocked them in Hong Kong. Um, so I guess that was a little kind of confidence boost in the beginning. But um, after Liberty, I was stocked there for two or three years, and then um, at Fortnum and Mason um, for a couple of years, and then at Fennec. Um, yeah, which is like up until now, basically. You also have recently started designing for Lock and Co. How yeah. did how did that come about? Can we hear a little bit about that? Because that sounds like such an um, interesting combination, especially hearing about what you first done after you graduated as well. Um, so they had been in the market for a milliner for a while, um, and I was approached by the creative consultant at that point. Um, and we kind of had met up. They were very familiar with my designs, I guess, and like, you know, had been following my career as such. Um, so yeah, we kind of met up, really liked each other, um, you know, and Lock & Co is such a fantastic kind of heritage brand, um, you know, yes. it being like the oldest hat shop in the world, which is just insane. I mean, it's been in the same Amazing. building since the 1600s and it's just, you know, mental. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was such like a great opportunity um, as a, as for myself as a designer, you know, to kind of bring my own kind of spin on things to the Lock aesthetic. Um, and obviously Lock being such a heritage brand with such established clientele, like it's very much, um, I would say it's more traditional, um, you know, it's kind of, it's very British. You know, they, they work with like the royal family quite a lot as well. Um, so yeah, it's it's been a really interesting two years and I cannot believe it's already been two years since I started there. Wow. Well, February, it'll be February two years, but you know, it's still, it's getting up there. Um, but yeah, you know, we've, um, it's a named collection as well. So it's Lock Couture by One Golding. So it's, you know, it's a real profile builder. Um, yes. Yeah, all around incredible so far um it's amazing 
So they have, um, I've been into their building, but I was just curious as to, because they have workspaces upstairs. Um, when you're developing that collection, how involved do you get, to, or are you in the construction and what kind of, how does that collaboration work between the two of you? Um, so we have the workroom up in the attic, basically, that is the couture workshop. Um, so I have um, a millinery, um, uh, she's the head of the millinery room. So it's quite collaborative, actually. Like I, I do all of um, obviously the designing. I make most of the sample collection as well. Um, but because I'm only um, doing two days a week there, um, I do kind of need to, I assign her kind of blocking things and stuff so that when I come back on my second day, so I kind of split them up. So Tuesday and Thursday will work. By Thursday, there'll be bases made and I can kind of trim them up in like the way that, you know, I, I want to kind of uh, do that. Um, and then, so her name is Tina, the lady who works there as well. And she's been there for about 18 years. So Tina mm -hmm. is responsible then for remaking um, the collection kind of, you know, to, uh, for clients if they want it in like different colors and things. Um, so I kind of create this, the sample collection and like the design Bible. And then she facilitates that. So you spend two days at Lock and & Co. And are those other days based on your, focused on your own collection, your own development for your work? Yes. Um, yeah, I am <laughs> trying to balance the two things. So yes, technically speaking, I should be in my own studio the three other days and possibly a couple of weekends here and there as well when deadlines are tight. <laughs> um, but, you know, I have found it quite challenging to balance the two things because, I mean, whilst my own brand and Lock and & Co are very distinct kind of design aesthetics, um, you can't help but have some overspill between the two. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's kind of finding kind of a creative, you know, cre enough creative juices to kind of, <laughs> you know, <laughs> sprinkle on both brands. <laughs> so is that, how do you, because they're both, I've heard someone describe this as the, like, yes, creative juices are absolutely vital, but, and there, but there's also this trick point where it's also work and a job and you've just got to keep making and you've just, you've got to keep pushing because it's, it's the work, it's the job. Um, yeah. How do you, um, how do you find those creative, ideas if you've got a tactic for that or that's something that's in development or how do you how do you do yeah, that I mean that's that's a really uh interesting question actually like because I'm also constantly trying I'm constantly struggling with that actually like even in my mm -hmm. own brand it's like how do you re-invent um, you know pieces every single season and I try to do seasonal collections so spring summer autumn winter um yeah, I mean, it is kind of trying to immerse myself in um, inspiring imagery, um, you know, whether that be art or nature or vintage images. I mean, I find that vintage imagery is very, very useful, actually, for millinery, um, because whilst, you know, maybe a shape is, you know, super vintage and the way that it's styled is vintage, if you, re if you update the materials you're using and the approach, um, it can look very, look and feel very modern. Um, so, but yeah, I would say it's an ongoing process. I'm definitely not there yet with my kind of workflow and the way that I kind of attack these things. Um, you know, so it's, it's, I'm definitely learning still, but yeah, like I think what, whoever told you that you just need to plug away at it and keep producing is very, it's so true. And through creating, I think you, 
reignite other ideas or you know you ignite other ideas and um it kind of spawns from there so what's your studio space do you have a studio space when you're working on your your own pieces that you're in and what's that space like um so i've been in my current studio space for about five years um and it is at a place called bow arts um so it's like this kind of amazing art subsidized studio space um, run by this company called Bow Arts, which is a charity. So there's a lot of artists, like fine artists there, um, and also crafters, but I'm the only milliner, um, which I actually really like. Um, you know, so I've made friends with a lot of these people who are doing massive oil paintings and, you know, sculpture and, you know, there's, it's so interesting to get their uh, kind of eyes on my pieces as well you know like my yeah. my friend Dale Lewis who's just an amazing painter you know sometimes I'll just get him in and I'll be like what do you think of this you know he'd be like oh I think the proportions on this you know and just having some you know artistic eye on it um is really cool you know and there is there's a lot of crossover yeah. I guess um but the space itself is I'm really really lucky because it's like a 15 minute walk from my house um, it's in an old candy factory. So it's, you know, kind of this old Victorian brick building with a giant window and there's lots of natural light. And, you know, it's just amazing. Like I really, I was working from home when I first started millinery and my own brand. And it like almost broke me and my boyfriend up because oh, it no. was too much, you know, like it's just too much pressure. My, my shit Literally was everywhere. Working in the same space. Works in restaurants, um, so he's got a very intense job where he was very client-facing. You know, and at the end of the day, he just wants to come back and be like, "Okay, I'm just gonna have a beer. I'm gonna put the telly on." And there was like me in the living room. So we had a very small pokey flat at this point, um, and yeah, it was just my feathers were everywhere. You know, like what millinery's like. It's not neat. <laughs> no, and there's like cinema in the couch, or and then you yeah. get it stuck in a piece of clothing, and then it's itching you, and yeah, it just yeah. takes over. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It took over our lives, you know, so we we're like, okay, I really need to find a studio space. <laughs> yeah. And how did you come to find that space? Is, was it through, through the, the charity or was it something you were familiar with before? Um, so yeah, it got to the breaking point where I was like, I need to find a studio space. So I started just, you know, Googling and found actually in England, there's a lot of um, these arts kind of based charities that are um, offering these kind of services, subsidized spaces and things. So I went and had a look at a whole bunch of them um, and I signed up with Beaux Arts and it just popped up this, you know, studio space around the corner. And I was like, okay, this looks perfect. Um, so they had a viewing day. I went down there and there was 30 people all looking at the same space. You know, people had brought like measuring tapes. They were measuring up like the doorway, <laughs> like, you know, like really moving in already. <laughs> I was just like, oh my God. I mean, this was, I, I, it was perfect. You know, everything about the space was perfect. And I was like, I need this space. So I wrote them like immediately a very kind of, you know, firm email about how I was the perfect candidate. And, you know, I've noticed you don't have any milliners. <laughs> That's good diversity of creativity. That's exactly it's exactly. obviously a winner though so yeah well I mean you know if you don't ask you don't get right so um and I'd love to Stevie made an appearance before um yes. but I understand she is the inspiration for another one of your projects which is the hot dogs calendar um how is 
is Steve the inspiration? How how did that project come come to be? Oh, um, and maybe wait before we do that, we better explain. Maybe if you could explain the premise of what 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 the the calendar is first. Sure. It's a calendar featuring rescue dogs wearing couture hats by the world's best milliners. Um, so that's the premise of the the project. Um, it was initially inspired by my dog Stevie because she's a rescue dog. Um, so I wanted to give back to the charity that I got Stevie from. Um, so that's All Dogs Matter. So, you know, I've been putting Stevie in hats for a long time now. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's just the plight of a milliner's dog. <laughs> um, so I, I was like, oh my God, this is damn cute. Why don't I, why don't I do something with this? <laughs> you know, combining my two passions, dogs and hats. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the, the initial um, idea came from that. So I got together a bunch of amazing um, UK-based milliners at that point um, and, you know, kind of essentially commissioned them to make um, hats that were themed after the month, of the, um, you know, month of the year. So, you know, um, at that point, Philip Tracy, you know, got in touch with Philip Tracy and he's got two rescue dogs as well. So, you know, he was more than happy to kind of get involved. And I think that for me was like, yes, <laughs> this is going to be really cool. Philip Tracy said yes. Um, so, yeah, the first uh, calendar, the first calendar uh, was 2019. Um, and that raised over £10,000 for the charity. Which, Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Um, so it was a real success. So obviously I rolled it over, did it again last year. Um, so 2020's calendar was for Dogs on the Streets, um, which is a charity that supports homeless people and their dogs. So every single dog in it was a homeless person's um, dog. And we shot all the photographs on the streets around the Strand. Um, and next year's calendar, um, I'm partnering with Wild at Heart Foundation. Um, so kind of to reflect Wild at Heart's very international um, initiatives, I've um, invited a more international kind of um, roster of milliners this time. So I've got like Florencia Tolado from um, Argentina. I've got Eugenie uh, Van, I can never pronounce her surname, Orshot. Orshot, yes. Um, you know, so she's done one. Um, I've got Stephen Jones and Philip Tracy from the UK. Obviously, I've made a piece. Um, yeah, so it's a really great lineup of people. I'm super excited. I'm so happy with the photos as well. Um, so the calendar will be available to purchase from um, Wild at Heart directly. And I will put that link up everywhere. Um, and obviously all of the funds raised go directly to Wild at Heart. Um, so, and they're, you know, they're doing amazing programs around the world, um, especially in countries where there's like no rescue culture. So they're rescuing dogs from like Bahrain, um, Lebanon, um, where else are they working? Like Greece, Russia. Uh, so they're, you know, helping um, to do like neutering programs out there anyway, and um, education, but they're also flying dogs out to the UK um, to rehome them here because like people just don't want to rescue dogs in those countries. Like it's just not a thing. So. Yeah, it's really, really great work that they do. So, yeah, buy a calendar. <laughs> yes, definitely buy a calendar. And we'll, we'll add a link on our website as well. And, of course, your link's going as well. So there's definitely um, many ways that people can get, get to the calendar themselves, which would be great. Um, in terms of making the hats, 
I just think about that in the, the previous years, this, you get a variety of different dogs. How do you make sure the hat fits on the, the little dog head? And what's that, what's that process like? <laughs> Um, well, I always tell the milliners to kind of put them onto like a little um, headband, you know, with like a little chin strap underneath so that you can kind of, you know, millinery wire is pliable and malleable. Um, so that's kind of the key is really having it on this little headband that can kind of, you know, expand to big dog's head or small. Um, but also, you know, not making it too heavy, not making it like unbalanced, because obviously that's a lot to ask a dog. Like there's only so much kind of sitting and being good like a dog will do for treats until it's just like okay screw this I'm just I'm ripping this hat off my head <laughs> and um how do you uh you work with different dogs do you have a trainer there how do you how do you manage the dogs in that in when you're doing the shoot um, so we've obviously got really experienced photographers. Um, so this year we are working with Aurelie Four, um, who is actually a dog mum herself. Like she's got she's got a dog influencer dog. Uh, her dog is uh, Marcel Lacorgi. He has like sixty thousand followers or something on Instagram. So <laughs> it's like crazy. Anyway, so she's very experienced with dogs. Um, the charity themselves were there as well and they're very experienced with dogs so like you know everyone's very experienced with dogs and it's just about having huge amounts of treats really that is how you get a dog to sit still <laughs> back to your hats um what how have you been finding the design process at the moment how has um i guess COVID affected what what you've been up to um i mean it's hugely affected what I do um so specifically my own brand you know I kind of created the spring summer 20 collection which was um essentially launched right at the beginning of corona which means that we all of our big events of the summer like Ascot and um well any of the racing events and all the weddings um were postponed or cancelled so I essentially sold nothing from my spring summer 20 collection which is heartbreaking um because you put you know blood sweat and tears yeah. into these collections and a lot of you know as we were talking about creativity and um so yeah my focus um since then has really been my bridal collection um and i've kind of put together a little kind of capsule collection of uh face masks as well um but you know luxury ones i guess using like lovely dupe on silk and things um so I think it is just about kind of being as flexible um, and, you know, just evolving with the current kind of scenario, which, uh, so I'm not sure about next year. I, I know we, you know, what, what do we do about spring, summer 21? Um, what's gonna, what's the landscape going to be? Are there going to be any events? Um, I'm not 100% sure. I think I probably will make a smaller collection, um, but I will try and make it celebratory, I think. Uh, you know, I still want there to be beautiful hats and um, fun designs, things that people will want to wear, you know, when we come out of lockdown and really, you know, put the glad rags on and, you know, <laughs> and celebrate our freedom. <laughs> How, how have Lock and Co been able to adapt in, in what's happening in the world at the moment? Yeah, no, Lock and Co did not even close their doors during the world wars. 
Like, this is the first yeah. time in Locke's history that they have closed their doors. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. That's you know, wild. Like, like, yeah. It's really... You know, and that was like a really hard decision for them to make. But I mean, they had to make it, obviously. I mean, there's no other option. Um, uh, maybe this is the positive end. It's, you know, they're, Lock and Co are doing healthy business. You know, people are, they're still selling hats to international clients. Their web sales are really great. Um, there's still a healthy appetite for millinery. I mean, maybe not the couture end of things right now, because obviously that is slightly more based in events um but i think that lock and co's clientele is they're used to supporting them you know they're very dedicated to that brand and i think that that's you know that sees them through these hard times you know and that's where i want to get to with my brand as well you know it's have this kind of loyalty and um yeah just brand loyalty i guess and you know that kind of relationship that you build up with clients i think that's so important Thank you so much for chatting with me today, Awan. It's been fantastic to talk about all your wonderful projects you've got going on. Thank you so much for having me. It was really great. Thank you for listening to this episode with Awan. We'd like to thank our fantastic Patreon podcast sponsors. Hatters Millinery Supplies, the Millinery Association of Australia, Catherine Cherry Millinery, Hat Academy, The Essential Hat, Hat Atelier, Louise McDonald Milliner, That Millinery, House of Adorn, and we're thrilled to welcome Lifted Millinery. You can find a link to each of their businesses in our show notes on your podcast app or on our website. We're very appreciative of their support. Would you like to become a sponsor yourself of this series? It is from just $15 per month and is run through a platform called Patreon. As part of your sponsorship, you receive a thank you in our monthly podcast, just like that, and a link to your business on our website and in the newsletter. We hope you've been enjoying this series. If you're a new listener, welcome. We're so thrilled to have you. There are many great episodes back in the feed, so have a scroll and see if you can find some favourites. If you've been listening for a while, thank you so much for your support. If you haven't already, remember to subscribe to our email list or in your podcast app so you don't miss when a new episode's released. We hope you've enjoyed this episode with a one and look forward to talking hats with you again soon.